would you cheer for sports games or how did that work? Sports games, yes. Oh, wow. I like to call them sports games, Anne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they do balls and stuff. I'm Anne McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we have a very special guest. We do. Nat Wicked Said is a dot connector, norm agitator, and lover of liberation who supports social justice curious parents to practice social justice in their parenting while reparenting their inner child. Amazing. Uh, Nat works as a decolonizer and licensed clinical psychotherapist, transgender rights community organizer, and child development specialist. She founded Come Back to Care to collaborate with parents who want to transform from autopilot to decolonized, embodied, and intergenerational parenting. She believes that when parents heal their inner child and internalize depression wounds in a community, they put fragmented pieces of themselves together to show up to both parenting and community organizing with their whole selves. Then parents can dismantle systemic oppression and rebuild a culture that's rooted in liberation for future generations. Nat is a graduate and faculty instructor with the Erickson Institute Social Work and Child Development Program. She also holds another master's degree in infancy and early childhood special education from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. In 2021, she received the Zero to Three Award for Emerging Leadership, where she was nationally recognized for her innovative work at Come Back to Care. Her most recent publications include an academic article in the June 2022 Zero to Three Journal and an op-ed piece in Condé Nast's Them. Outside of her clinical and psychoeducational work at Come Back to Care, Nat provides political education and mental health support to youth organizers around the stolen land of the Ojibwe, Adawa, and Potawatomi nations around Chicago. Her advocacy areas include economic justice, intergenerational healing justice, disability justice, and trans rights. Oh my gosh, Nat, we are so very excited to have you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you, Anne and Steph. I don't talk about this topic too often, and I don't think about them too often. So I'm nervous and excited, but I know I'm in good hands. Well, thank you. We are so thrilled to have you. And I have to tell you, Steph and uh, and our listeners, the way I met Nat and then discovered that she was also uh, raised Catholic or in Catholic school. So I took a workshop. I took a one-day workshop with Nat and loved it so much that I signed up for her Come Back to Care workshop series, which was incredible. Mm. Yeah, it was just, side note, Steph and all our listeners who are parents, <laughs> I totally recommend it. Oh, Um, So I'm like all on it. I need it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the social justice work and parenting and, you know, reparenting stuff. And it all like connects all the dots. And it's, I know, Steph, you would love it. So anyway, I'm taking this workshop and it was incredible. And there was something I said, it was, I I don't even remember, but it was something about like, it wasn't positive. It was like a negative message that I had in my head or something like that. Nat, you made a comment like, Oh, that reminds me of something they used to say at Catholic school. And it made me <laughs> laugh because I was like, of course, of yeah. course my inner voice is something they taught in Catholic school. Like, 
So that right. I was like, that is not a coincidence. I think that probably <laughs> comes from somewhere. That was really a funny moment. Uh, yeah, it was. I was yes. It was something so strict, like a rule of some sort, that it mm-hmm. could only come from Catholic schools. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, you picked it up. You picked up on it right away. So, yes. so Nat, when I invited you onto the podcast, I think I was like, I don't know how we're going to keep this podcast length because I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this. I know. So we'll start where we start, and we'll see where it goes. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So this is a podcast about growing up Catholic. So we would love just to start from the start, anything you want to share about sort of the religious and spiritual landscape of your childhood. Yeah. So the landscape of my religions growing up was a mix between Buddhism on my mother's side and Catholicism on my father's side. So (laughs) Sunday was really fun. I would go to church in the morning, and then after the service, we would head over to the temple. Wow. Go to another service. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did did your parents just decide, like, they were going to do, we're doing it all equally? Yes. They're just going to, like, let's both and do it all. But as a child, Steph and Ed, it was so confusing. Mm Mm-hmm. It was really fun, though, like to go to church in the morning, and then we would sing and pray, and then we would go to the temple after, and we would pray and then feed the fish and birds and do like a whole different types of rituals, Mm. and there was no discussion. Yeah, but it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about childhood. So often, these things that we now realize like, huh. That was kind of unusual, right? To have two different religions that we were both practicing. Like no one talks about it though. And so you're like, well, I don't know any different. This is just sort of what life looks like for our family, right? Oh, yes. It's like a typical Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And where did you grow up? Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. Were there many other young people doing the same thing going from, are you, did you, was it solely your family? It feels like it was just us at the time. Yeah, but there's so many Thai Chinese families in Thailand that would go to Catholic churches. Mm -hmm. And then growing up after that, my parents sent my siblings and I to a Catholic school and it was an all boy. And so was that from the time you were young? Yes, Uh, that was from grade one up to 10. Wow. And you were in an all-boys Catholic school. All-boys Catholic school. Yes. First of all, were your siblings, do you, do you have brothers? So they, you were all at the same school? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then I have a sister who's also in another Catholic school. It's interesting that it was segregated by sex so early. Right. I feel like around here, a lot of times kids and what this is what I did and I I hear this experience from other people that they'll go to a well quote unquote mixed gender but right both sex Ah. um, school until fifth grade or eighth grade and then they start in all girls or all boys high school oh do you know why I don't I don't I well my guess is there's like more anxiety around mixing the sexes once they're after puberty (laughs) 
It's like the demon puberty. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> demon. Demon. <laughs> I mean, this is something I think about, although to be honest with you, I've had the privilege that it didn't really occur to me until a year or two ago. There's so much conversation right now about trans kids and trans kids not right. allowing to exist as who they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I live in a pretty progressive neighborhood. I know a lot of kids are trans and either out or not. But I have been thinking as someone who went to an all girls high school about all these kids in single sex high schools where there is zero room, I imagine, to express who you are. Yeah, it was zero. And that it was very shameful. Hmm. Where the teachers would open the Bible and read some lines from the Bible saying, see, you need to fix yourself, fix your face, because mm. you are a sin. You are a sin. Oh, that's heartbreaking. You are a sin. Yeah, I remember it like word for word. And it was so confusing to me at the time because... I know that the reason my parents decided to send me to a Catholic school was because of capitalism, because Catholic schools would generally have better education around English. Mm -hmm. So that was their like very intentional decision. And in a typical Asian Thai Chinese household that I grew up in, there was not a lot of communication around love, around feelings. So going to a Catholic school where we would go to services and there are lots of discussions around love and feelings, it felt like a safe second home there. Mm -hmm. And then for the teachers and the, the priests to tell me that my existence was a sin as a child, it just didn't make sense. No. Yeah, I feel like you're touching on something that I think we run into a lot. You know, Steph and I often talk about how the people we know who have left the church intentionally are actually the ones who have thought the most about their religion and their own values, because you have to go through that analysis process, right? You have to really be thinking critically about it. Right. I also think oftentimes, I think some of the kids who are most drawn to Catholicism or religion in general are the ones who are thinking about things like love and justice. I mean, mm. I think all kids think about those things, right? Yeah. But maybe like kids who are more emotionally sensitive or searching for that kind of thing are the ones who are most likely to hold on really tight or think like, yes, this is what I've been looking for, which is why mm. I think there is such heartbreak sometimes when you realize something like, oh, this this church doesn't as a trans person or as a woman, or even, even if you yourself are, you know, a straight white boy to look around and say like, Oh no, this doesn't, this isn't actually a religion that upholds like the values that you're telling me are important. I think it's especially heartbreaking. It feels that way because the teachings of things like love your neighbor mm -hmm. and translating what I heard when I was a child in Thai to English in real time. So apologies if, things mm -hmm. get miscommunicated. Oh, we don't know. We also don't know. <laughs> we, joke, we joke all the time that we did not grow up with it, with reading the Bible. We read our religion textbook, but not the Bible. So <laughs> we also don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Thank you. Yeah. And things like love your neighbor and then turning back to look at me and say, 
but not you. Uh, it's so hard for a child's brain to just be, to accept a hypocrisy like that. Yes. Right. Well, so then like, how can I trust you adult if what you're telling me, it makes no sense. <laughs> Absolutely. It creates a really yeah. hard atmosphere to thrive in. It was so hard. It was so confusing. And then to say that Jesus was the best. And then we would go to the temple after and mm -hmm. said, Buddha's the best. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no adult is kind of explaining to you what is going on, you know? No. And in preparation for this conversation with both of you, I actually asked my mom and dad, like, like, why didn't you explain all the... <laughs> all the different ideas to us that would have been so helpful and they said that you know we thought you were too young mm -hmm. yeah and I just wish they explained that would just save so much headache yeah it is interesting the ways in which we think oh our my child won't understand this but we don't think about all the things that a child is understanding and is picking mm. up and right and the confusion that is existing already. It's not like if you don't talk about it, it won't be there, you know? Mm -hmm. right. Absolutely. And so you stuck with religion for a, a while uh, post your Catholic school upbringing, right? Yes, it was. So the Catholic school was from grade one up mm -hmm. to grade 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a long way. Yeah, it was a it was a long time. It and it was so much fun at the same time. We were talking about puberty <laughs> and the gendered school, like mm -hmm. all boys and all girls. Mm -hmm. Puberty was doing puberty. And, <laughs> <laughs> and oh my gosh, like I just had so many funny memories thinking back to those days. Like it was painful, it was hurtful. But I remember wearing, well, I was one of the altar boys. And do you remember like the white gowns? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're fabulous. If there's a time where boys are allowed to wear dresses in the Catholic school, it's the priests and the altar servers and the right. fish, all of them. As soon as you are doing something in church at Catholic school, you, you get to wear a dress as a boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that was the reason that I joined the altar boys club. Yeah, it was I so it. fabulous. Yes. <laughs> it was so fabulous. Yeah. You mentioned doing a Spice Girls fashion show. Am I remembering oh, this correctly? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. So after the service, we, and we meaning my friends who are queer, trans, mm -hmm. and in the LGBTQIA plus community, we would volunteer. We found each other. Wow. And we're all altar boys. Wow. The whole crew. I love this very much. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. As an adult thinking back, it was like, oh, wow. It was oppression there, but there's also resistance mm -hmm. there too. Absolutely. Yeah. So we would volunteer after the service to kind of clean up the space, put everything back into the closet. And everyone would leave and the whole space was just for us. Oh so we God. would <laughs> we would um, play the Spice Girls at the time. It was very popular. And yes, then just yes. do a fashion show down the aisle. 
Oh my gosh. I would just swish and twirl and swish and twirl. It was so fun. One of us needs to write a play. I was thinking, I need that. I need to see this. With this scene or a film or something. I'm currently watching, um, I'm late to the game, but I'm currently watching Pose with uh, <gasps> Billy Porter oh, and just all these yes. incredible trans actresses. And yes. anyway, I like, as you say, I'm watching all these baldly 1980s balls. So as you say yeah. that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need to see this on film. That's incredible. Right. It was, there's, there's no ballroom scene in Thailand, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like as a child in that context. There was context, one in that church. There was one. There was <laughs> <Yeah>. one. Amazing. <laughs> So you mentioned that um, you mentioned that you felt like teachers were weaponizing the mm. Bible against yeah. sort of who you were. Do you feel like it was that explicit? Do you feel like teachers recognized that you were, if not trans, if that they didn't have that language, then in some way queer yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, yes, yeah, they have the specific term for boys who are very flamboyant or femme. Mm-hmm. That's that's the word. And the teachers would use that word and then cross-reference it with verses in the Bible. And Ugh. yeah, and at the time I knew deep in my heart that the teachers were wrong, mm-hmm. right? But to be face-to-face with that authority figure, like there's nothing I could do but to accept accept that and yeah. internalize that. Yeah. No, as a kid, you have no power or, over authority. And also you're, I mean, mm. everyone is telling you, especially in Catholic school, to respect authority, right? That's how you're good. That's how you get the gold star is to respect mm-hmm. authority, is to do as you're told, is to believe yeah. as you're told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it kind of went so well with my upbringing, my Thai Chinese family values of always being obedient. Mm-hmm. Yeah never asking questions, especially to the authority figures. So it was just the perfect storm. Right. You have sort of the culture and then the Catholic culture. Yes. Combining forces. I feel like, man, Catholicism has a way of doing that in every culture, right? Taking the... Like there's a, this American brand of Catholicism kind of takes a lot of the American capitalist and bootstraps and that stuff. Mm. I feel like it does this way of, which of course it would, right? But as a global church, I feel like it's like, oh, this is, here's this brand of the Catholic teaching here. I don't know. It's interesting. Yes. And I remember that the flavor of that in my school was you got to be obedient and you got to be really good. Otherwise you would kind of ruin humanity there's that yeah I don't know where that came from but there's that deep sense of saviorism Mm -hmm. where each year we would have uh, missionaries from the U.S. from Europe coming to visit the school and quote-unquote civilize us so yeah I, I guess that's that's where it came from wow you just made some notes for us of kind of moments you were thinking of when we were emailing about this. You have a story about the missionaries, don't you? I t- <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. So being in that Catholic school for grade, from grade one to grade 10, and just seeing this sainthood and savorism from these missionaries like it just imprinted in my mind that I just really dislike them it's like them coming to civilize us and saving us that just 
never sit right with me. Yeah. And I really hate it. So when I move out of the Catholic school to a different school in a different region, and it was kind of in the suburb and it's no longer in the capital city, and there are lots of kind of white missionaries coming to build houses and civilize us. And my friends and I, we would go and go to where they're like building the house, putting the roofs together. I would go and then we would just like flash them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was bad. We would flash them and then just hop back into the car and then just leave. Felt so empowering, I bet though. It was. I love these little moments of resistance. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Yes, yes. Oh, it was fun. Yes. And then one of my boyfriends at the time was one of those missionary workers. So, oh, that must have been complicated. Oh, yes. I took that domination (laughs) right back, Steph. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Man. Yeah. So, was he an American? He was, uh, I believe he was of German descent. German. Okay. Yes. Wow. That Double the domination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so fascinating. Just, I'm so grateful for this interview because it really allows me to reflect back on these experiences that I have like buried mm-hmm. under the rug because it was so painful. But mm-hmm. in looking back, I remember these moments of resistance. Yeah. That it was there. And even in my grade school, and you were talking about Pose, there were a lot of us who were queer and in that school. And we would stick together, almost like having a house mother or like the seniors who would be trying out different hormones. And then they would have conversations with us about what to take, how often. Wow. Yeah. So there's that community and that resistance in that oppression. That's amazing. Are you still in touch with any of those people or those altar boy friends? Yes. <laughs> the Spice Girls. Yeah. Spice Girls friends. That's right. We are. We oh, are. Good. Yes. Yes. Still love Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> so good. How could you not? Right. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you just have this inherently strong sense of your own version of like what was right and what mm-hmm. was wrong throughout mm-hmm. the whole, like you said you had to accept what they were saying, but like you knew it was wrong and yeah. you did the Spice Girls thing on your own time and you flashed the missionary, you know, like you, you were still able to have some core that was your own. Yeah. Like that inner yes. compass that you knew yourself, which mm-hmm. is so challenging. I think, I think so often we believe all the voices outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. especially voices of authority. And it can be so hard to hear that. Was it, do you think it was, was it those friendships that helped you kind of continue to know who you were or is there something else? I'm so curious about that. I remember one incident where there's this big group of jocks, if you will, and they were really picking on one of us and then all of us got up, intervened, and then After that incident, we were having a conversation around, you know what, they were really othering us. And that's not right. Like, yeah, and and that was 
I remember I was in grade nine and then these grade 12 seniors would be just talking to us about these things and we're like of course yeah we're not flawed we're not the others like we're here too so in that community I I feel like you're right it really helps and I also have to give credits to my grandmother too Mm -hmm. her whole family immigrated from southern China to Thailand and I don't think they were Catholics before they moved to Thailand. Hmm. But then because they had to assimilate and blend in and be accepted in their Thai communities, they had to be Catholics. Wow. Yeah. So it was painful that she had to leave her culture and her heritage behind. Mm -hmm. But I remember just sitting with her and she loves the... Rosary? Rosary. Thank you. She just loves it. Right. And she would do it all day. And I would sit in her lap. And I, I still remember the warmth, the snuggles, and we would say the prayers together. So there's that kind of connection there that makes me really realize that if I can do this with my grandmother, like, of course, I can be loved. Like, fuck whatever else they're saying or what they're telling me at school. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I'm, like, in tears thinking about that. That's so sweet and beautiful. Steph and I also both have our Catholic grandmothers come up a lot in this. I think all of our grandmothers are part of this podcast right now, whether they know it or not. Mm Grandmothers, yeah. the best. They are the grandmothers, and those Catholic grandmas and their rosaries, oh. man. They love those rosaries. All <laughs> of I, yes. I want like a photo series of Catholic grandmas around the world with their rosaries because <gasps> I think it's just it is. Wouldn't I that love be great? That. Right. Oh my gosh. I do understand the appeal, right? Oh yeah. And thinking of of the beads, like as a trauma therapist, right now, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. that rhythm. That repetition, Mm -hmm. it's so soothing to the nervous system in doing it in a group of people. Yeah. Makes me almost want to do a rosary. Okay. (laughs) I know. I actually was thinking that stuff. I feel like maybe as an experiment, you and I should like say some rosaries. See what happens. I feel like we have to do like a slumber party. It's almost like doing light as a feather, stiff as a board. No that ongoing joke about what's that's not it's not magic though. It was it's not magic. Are, if it's Catholic, it can't be magic. And if it's oh, not Catholic, right. it's definitely magic and not appropriate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. You need to live stream that because I would yeah. love to watch that. <laughs> Done. Our face first Patreon. That'd be great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, Nat, am I correct that you were in the choir in school? I was in the choir. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) all the queer kids or the cool kids, if you will. They're the same. They're the same. In my book. Oh my gosh. In my too. So (laughs) we would gather in the choir, altar boys club and cheerleading. Hmm. Okay. In these three spheres. Wait, do you yeah. have cheerleading at your all-boys school? Yes. <gasps> wow. I love that. Yes. And everyone was so femme. That feels subversive. Right? Yes. <laughs> and and no one would criticize them. Yeah. 
They're, I feel like they're setting themselves up if they're like, you need to be masculine. Also, cheerleading club. Like, maybe, I don't know if it was some subversive teacher who was like, we can have a cheerleading club. Who knows? But um, yes, I yes. love that there was cheer. Okay. This makes me happy yeah. for young Matt, for sure. I know. Yes. It was super fun. You said cheerleading club, choir, and what else? Altar boys. Altar boys. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we would gather and just fully express ourselves because that would be the sanctioned time that is okay to be femme. Mm -hmm. Would you cheer for sports games or how did that work? Sports games, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like to call them sports games, Anne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they do balls and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just saw a Jenny Slate bit where she was like, I love that men have their little games, their little sports games where they all chase the toy. And I was like, I feel yes. that way. <laughs> I love that people love athletics. It's just not something I connect to. It's not my thing either. But thinking of the cheerleading and stuff. So it was in an all boys school, but the dynamic was so similar to just an inclusive school where the cheerleaders, like the popular ones in our queer group and the popular jocks would just like date. Wow. Yeah. So puberty was doing puberty. This really does need to be turned into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we're unearthing this. At the very least, this needs to be a book, but... Truly, yes. it needs to be a movie or a play. <laughs> yeah, so whatever you write that, please let me know. <laughs> they just, so everyone, they were dating like like, a, like an 80s high school movie. Yes. Like Pretty in Pink, but, but an all-boys school in Thailand. Yeah. Like, of course, they would hide it from their friends and right. keep mm -hmm. it in secret, but it's there. Like, even in all-boys school, so Catholicism, you fail when you <laughs> separate gender. Sorry. Yeah. Same thing still happen. Right. Now it's like all you have is the queer relationships. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, when I talk to my sister, because she's in an all girls school, it's the same. Really? Yeah. Right. It's the same. Like, I feel like we just want to explore our gender and sexuality. Yes, that's, it seems so simple, right? It should be that easy. Like we're going to do it. We want to do it in healthy ways. And Nat, did you have any kind of sex ed at your school? Oh, I remember that banana. <gasps> yeah. Oh, they did. You actually got, you had a banana. We did with a condom. With a condom. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting because condoms are not allowed by the church you know maybe at boys schools oh. they are though maybe they do got girls oh. educations and <laughs> i know oh. i don't yeah Ooh. we got abstinence <laughs> that's interesting yeah yeah because we were taught that was all not acceptable no birth control at all was really oh yeah well i i shouldn't be surprised they didn't give us sex ed at our high school until senior year when it was oh. too late. <laughs> too late. Too late. <laughs> right. Well, let's see what I can remember. Definitely the banana and the condom. That's great. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. But it was more focused on hygiene. That's 
thinking back, kind of keeping your organs, your body parts clean. So not so much about the reproductive system, all of that. But like Steph said, too late because we've already explored everything we need to explore. So <laughs> yeah, no, ours was in freshman theology class, but we had this little book that told you all the birth control methods and why they were a sin. <gasps> but it was a little bit subversive. I think whoever wrote it, wrote it for that purpose. I think it was their way to covert sneak it to the Catholic kids. Like at least they'll know. Wow. They'll just have shame around it, but at least they'll know. You know what I mean? But I'm so, ha I'm very happy for you that you had the banana and the condom. I really am. Good for some teacher who made that happen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the things we learn and didn't learn, like all revolve around shame and obedience and being nice. Yeah. And not being kind or not seeking justice, but just being nice, right? Yes. Like I find that my teachers in that school were one of the most judgmental people I've met. Mm -hmm. Did you have male teachers? Yes. Exclusively? We did have female teachers too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did you have nuns or religious people or were they all like lay people? They were all like priests. Uh, so all male. Oh, see, neither Steph or I had any priests at our schools. <gasps> oh. We had one former, he had been like a uh, monk and had left for some reason, but was still teaching in our mm. school. But um, we had a couple nuns. We had someone who said mass every Friday, but he wasn't really a teacher. Oh. Yeah, he just was like at the next door wow. church. And like, you got to get over here and get mass done. Oh, wow. So it was priests teaching you. That's Priest. a very specific kind of teacher too. Yes. Yes. No, no nuns that I can recall. Okay. Yeah. Just priests. Five of them. Oh. How big was your school? How many students do you know? I don't remember. Um, did So did you date in Catholic school then? You were dating other students? Yes. So many boyfriends. Steph right. and Anne. Good yeah. for you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for oh you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was such a fun exploration time. But I remember because my younger brother also went to the same school and my older cousin also went to the same school. So I would date most of his friends, my my older cousin's friends. And I had to kind of be discreet about it because I, I didn't want my brother to, <laughs> to see and then report back to my parents because at the time I hadn't told them about my gender and sexuality. Mm. My brother would kind of run up to me, you know, because we were in the same school and it was kind of cute to be together. And I just had to like, go away. <laughs> it's very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, as an older sibling, I feel like that's not totally unexpected, <laughs> yes. right? For the, to be like, get out of here, younger sibling. I'm doing, I'm living my right. life. Yeah. I'm being cool and you're oh, not. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize if I ask these questions incorrectly so just let me know or we can oh no 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 I'm just curious about your own sense of your own gender identity mm. were you identifying as female like did you recognize that in yourself early on or yes yeah because I imagine when you talk about your queer group of friends I imagine it was people identifying in all kinds of ways 
Is that right? Yes. So at the time, just the term transgender, transvestites, transsexuals, they were very derogatory and they weren't very popular. So at the time, I thought I was gay, but I knew that I was a woman since like I was five, seven, like, yeah. And one year as, as an adult, I went back home and my mom and I were going through our family photo albums together. And I would see pictures of me just in rainbow leggings, <laughs> in <laughs> yellow polka dots tights. And I'm like, mom, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. And she's like, you're right. I didn't know. (laughs) Like, it was right there. Yeah. How did you miss it? The signs were there. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And we had a good laugh about it. But yeah, I I knew that I was a woman when I was little. Yeah. So did you, in terms of social transitioning, did that happen while you were in Catholic school or was that afterwards? That was afterwards. I imagine that probably happened in stages too. And maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Can I tell you, there's this, so in Thailand, the hangout spots would also be a shopping mall when I was growing up. D- does that resonate with both of oh, you? Yes, yes. Yeah, sure. okay. The children okay. of the 80s, yes. yes. <laughs> ah, yes! I have learned that Stephanie was allergic to perfume, so couldn't hang out at the mall as much as her friends because of all the perfume oh, smells, Steph. which is really, really sad. Just added to my social uh, <laughs> pariahs. <laughs> you were one of the cool kids. One yeah, of the cool I, kids. I, I, I was like, I have to hang out with the kids who are smoking behind the gas station, I guess. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but we would we would hang out in shopping centers. Mm -hmm. And in Thailand, there is one that's very popular. All the cool kids would go there and it's outdoor. So we would pack our wigs, our tank tops, like spaghetti straps, like mini skirt. (laughs) We would pack it and our like little makeup kit, which is like Vaseline and some food coloring, like red food coloring, like a blush, like a Ooh, lip stain. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I know. Like we would pack it and then we'd just go to the shopping center and then get dressed up in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So that was around middle school, high school. But what was complicated was there was a mandatory military training. Mm-hmm. Grades. 10, 11, and 12 students had to attend who, who are male. I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we we had to like have a specific haircut, which is kind of shaved head. Mm. And it was wild to have our head be shaved and then looking yeah. so femme and flamboyant. So, well, hence the wigs. But Where, was, oh, there you go. So fun. Yes. Yeah. A shaved head's yeah. actually great for a wig, I will say. Absolutely. Having worked with some wigs in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love every. Yeah. This is just making me really love little Nat, I have to say. I love. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Just so lovely. And I love these little transgressive moments and this idea that you had this community. It makes me so sad to think about the adults sort of, you know, using the religion 
against you and other students, but the idea that you had this awesome transgressive community and your wigs and makeup is wonderful. Yes, thank you. And that got me through. Yeah. I think that got me through. Yeah. I read your Condé Nast piece and... Uh, so you talk a little bit about this, like the stealth thing, as you were putting it in your, your story, which I yeah. just very visceral to, to figure out like all these, all these transitions you had to make in all the circles right. that you were in. Um, but one of the things that struck me with the very, you talked about saying your Hail Mary in the morning at college, I believe. Um, and there's so I was like, so she's still saying the Hail Mary, uh, which is fine. Fascinating. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. So I I think because of my grandmother, that Catholicism, Mother Mary, I think is one of the figure that I connect with. Yeah. Because she loved Mother Mary so much. And so that's kind of our connection now that she joined our ancestors already. So Mm -hmm. it's still a part of me. And I have learned to take pieces that feel right to my healing Mm -hmm. and then just fuck the rest compassionately yes (laughs) yeah in our little elevator pitch of this podcast i say it's like we're conmarying our catholicism you know yes the pieces that bring you joy and the parts you're throwing away or some parts you burn because really no one needs to have that Mm -mm. right right yes Certainly, there are folks in the Catholic Church who want to be purist about things and, oh, you can only be mm. Catholic if you do X, Y, Z, right? If you live as a good Catholic, if you go to Mass and go to confession, otherwise it's not yours. Right. But we had a recent guest, Abby Rampone, point out, and mm. I totally agree that like the, everyone's a cafeteria Catholic because there's actually a lot of uh, conflicting information out there. Right. <laughs> you can't <laughs> practice all the parts of Catholicism because they're, some of them are in direct conflict with each other, you know? Ooh. So everyone is sort of picking and choosing. You can't be against gay marriage and also believe in the dignity of the, of every human being. Like you can't, those are in direct mm. conflict with each other. Right. So. Right. Um, yes. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's beautiful. I know it's painful for some people to have any part of Catholicism, but I personally think you, if, if something works for you, if you like to say you a take rosary, the, you take the bread, you take <laughs> it. Or if you like <laughs> yes. <laughs> New theme song. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I am fully in support of everyone holding on to the paces that serve them. Yes. Oh, yes. And the pieces didn't serve me really taught me how to love. Hmm. Like it really showed me like, that's not a fun way to love another person Hmm. and respect their dignity and humanity. Yeah, That's a great point that you, you learn from what doesn't work too. You learn, oh, I don't Mm -hmm. agree with this. And that that's a learning as a young person as well. Right. Yes. And I just develop a knack to like, oh, there's a stereotype and there's a box. Let's crush those and just <laughs> right and just like live how you want to live and love how you want to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so much of at least Catholic high school was working around the rules. I think it just teaches kids to right like here's your oh. uniform. And so what's when you tell students like here's your uniform, what are they gonna think? Ooh, well, what can I, can I get away with striped socks? Can I get away right? right? You immediately start thinking around the rules yes 
Yes. More than a kid who's just like, just be yourself, do whatever, right? It's almost like too much for you. <laughs> I don't know if you all feel this way. I do so well being creative within structure because I I was always given that structure that forced me to be creative. Yes. And that's the resourcefulness, right? That we yeah. often underestimate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uniforms, our uniform was a white top and blue pants and they're shorts because Thailand, very hot. Mm-hmm. So in our cool kids club, we would bring two-sided tapes to school and then we would hem it yeah. <laughs> to make it like hot pants. And we Ooh. would just strut I around. I love it. <laughs> Until we get called into the principal's office and right. get reprimanded, but we looked cute. It's like, yes, like rolling your skirt, but you can't do that with shorts, so you have to hem. I love it. Yes, yes. I work at a high school. I direct the school play, and I was talking to a new student who just came from Catholic school to this public school, and she said she, she left. She left because of the uniform. Got her parents leave because she didn't feel comfortable and they made her wear a skirt there was no other option and she didn't Mm. feel comfortable in that um and she was just like and these girls they roll them up so high and I was like they're still doing it (laughs) it's still a thing yes see that was the difference stuff your your school the girls were rolling skirts at my school it was the opposite we would leave it a little bit unzipped and we'd wear boxer shorts underneath and the boxer shorts were We'd get in trouble if the boxer shorts were showing from at the top, although they did a little bit. (gasps) And it was all about like, we don't want to be here to impress anyone. We want to be comfortable and we want to just be, you know, it was sort of like, I don't want to be dressed up. I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel like I'm in pajamas all day. It was kind of like the vibe, (laughs) at least for most of the girls. Maybe some girls were actually trying to look put together, but not me. Yes. Yes. I love the different styles that our own individuality is just wanting to come out and it's all about resistance, right? It's all about it's all yes. about making it your own and resisting mm. either one direction or the other. Which is like the most Jesus thing of all. <laughs> Steph, say more. I want to hear about that. So I didn't go to Catholic school until high school. I went to public schools up until then. So yeah. it was just like, a, what? It's like, what is this culture? And most people had been going there, you know, like kindergarten through 12. They, they went all together. There was no new people coming in and out. They, they weren't familiar. Like they had no idea how to handle change uh, in a large part. Um, so I come in and I'm just like, none of this feels right. But up to the point, I really enjoyed, I would say, being Catholic. Like, I read my old diaries and I talk about Jesus and I did oh. all the things. I was like, I was like, that's who I'm going to be good. It's like, oh no, I just been bad. Like, do I do my rosaries and all of it? But it was going to Catholic school that made me not want to be Catholic because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're not. You're not doing the things that you say you're supposed to be. They're, that hypocrisy yeah. really bothered me. Ah, mm. But also, like, up until then, I'd only gone to CCD. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is. So that's when you don't go to Catholic school, you go to this 45 minutes to an hour at on Sundays of Sunday. Catholic education, and you're supposed to get all of it, like color in some worksheets. <laughs> yeah. So, Oh my goodness. That was all I had. So I was like, that's pretty, it wasn't that that much. (laughs) But well, then I started getting theology class every day. And that's when I really started, I guess, learning 
about Jesus. I was like, okay, this guy is like, you know, just like questioning authority, very political, throwing over those tables in the temple. I was like, I like him. <laughs> I really <laughs> like this guy. But, but, you're, but nothing you were telling me is right matches what the stories are saying. They're like, yeah, be obedient. I was like, you know, obedient. Um, you know, don't question authority. He super questioned authority. Like I was like, nothing is swearing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had long hair and wore a dress and sandals, which none of those things are allowed at Catholic school at all. Oh, right. I can see those contradictions. Yeah. And Steph, I wonder, you know, you. I know that you moved schools a lot. We've talked about that. But I and you moved around a lot. And it feels like Catholicism up until high school was like, a, it was something that made you different at at public school and it gave you a sense of yeah. identity, right? And it gave you a consistent sense of identity as you moved because every, because mass is the same everywhere. Mass and so it was same. sort of like, it got to be your thing. Yeah. It got to help you form who you were, even as you moved around. Right. And, and it was like um, my family's thing. So it really was formed by whatever my grandmother said was Catholic. I was like, that's, we're do that because that's what Catholics do. Really, the catechism should just be written by grandmas because I think they're the ones who have it figured out. <laughs> yes. I'm curious, actually, speaking of my grandmother real quick, um, Nat, mm. Catholicism in Thailand, does it rep- does it resemble ours at all? Did you, like the statuary, like we have, you know, praying to St. Anthony when we lose things. Um, when we had to sell a house, we would bury a statue of St. Uh, Joseph upside down in the front lawn to help us sell a house. Like, is that a wow. <laughs> part of your version of Catholicism? <laughs> Oh my it's super like not witchy, but it's kind of witchy. Kind of witchy and lots of saints. It's yeah. not magic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not magic. Mm. You have to bury the statue upside down. Wow. Okay. The the school that I went to, it was the, the name was after a saint. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Thai people in general are superstitious enough to have our own thing and that mm. gets combined with catholic teachings so we we didn't do or at least in my family we didn't do anything like you just described stuff like like we would do things like if it's raining and you want Mm -hmm. the rain to go away thai thing is you would put lemongrass like on the ground but the person who put it has to be a virgin and a woman so yeah so we would have that kind of thing but not burying a saint or something right. statue upside down yeah, yeah. <laughs> i could probably spend a whole other podcast like trying to figure out what catholicism in thailand is because we have a very you know european mindset of it Anne and i because that's yeah. what we were raised in so i'm just like fascinated by those differences because this is this global church we've talked about that a lot and it's the yeah. same, but it's like, but every place that has it, you adopt things to assim- it assimilate yes. it, right? So, yes. Yeah. You know. And that was interesting to me too, because we would have, uh, like, and like you said, like a purist Latin mm. services. Oh, wow. You I, had Latin services. We, even we do. Post-Vatican too. That's, that's real intense. It was intense. Like, I have no clue what they were saying. Oh, that's really different. But I bet you rang that bell right when you were supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. Culture servers. They're on top of it. Yes. (gasps) I love it. And Nat, I did want to point out, 
you're the loveliest guest to have on and also oh. your facilitator and podcast host self is coming through because I noticed you like, Stephanie, <laughs> tell me more about that. I was like, nah, this is about you. You're not the you're host. Talking about us. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're so sweet. When you're a facilitator Aww. type, it's hard to. I know it's a habit I know I know yeah and being a therapist too I'm just like tell me more (laughs) (laughs) so you are a much accomplished academic and human (laughs) human being and therapist and advocate and all those things and I guess you've already touched on this a little but I'm curious like how you see your Catholic upbringing connecting to those things? Like, do you feel like there's a piece of what you grew up with that you wanted to get away from and that has that has formed your trajectory or something that you, you know, you, you took with you? I think what I'm taking away from that is how important faith is for resilience. I think seeing how my grandmother built a whole new community as a new Chinese immigrant in Thailand around Catholic churches and communities. Like it's so important for her healing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think there are ways to love another human fully with their fullness and dignity and humanity without having to judge them based on what the words in a text said. And growing up Buddhist and Catholic, I really believe that there's that spectrum and anyone can bring their whole selves and pluck themselves at any point of that spectrum. Mm. Yeah, like there's enough room. I love that. I just want to like sit with him for a second. I know. (laughs) You've given us so many good things to think about. And I'm so grateful for your work, Nat. Thank you. I really am. And um, I recommend mm. Come Back to Care and Nat's other work and your podcast. Where can folks find you? Anyone who's interested in incorporating social justice into their parenting and do this inner child reparenting work can find me and my work at comebacktocare.com. I love putting my podcast episodes together and they focus on those two things, social justice parenting and inner child reparenting. And it's come back to care podcast. I highly recommend both and all Mm. of Nat's work. It was something I think I I mentioned this earlier, but I think it was, it connected a lot of dots that I think I was having trouble. I was seeing as separate or having trouble integrating um, Mm. all things that I care about. And you, you do that social justice and parenting and, reparenting ourselves doing just integrate those things in a way that I think is um, so valuable to to lapsed Catholics and to everyone so I, I recommend it for everyone thank you and thank you Steph and I have to thank my parents for teaching me how to cross-pollinate between Buddhism and Catholicism mm, yeah. and I get to connect the dots between social justice and parenting and yeah, child reparenting. Go. You've, ha- you've yeah. been connecting dots. You've been that dot connector since you were a little child on Sundays going from, right. from mass to Buddhist service. Yes, so and singing Spice that. Girls and doing yeah. fashion show down the aisle. <laughs> I know most of your work is around oh. your psychotherapy and all the reparenting, mm-hmm. but also I just... 
I hope you continue to tell your own story because I think it's so oh. fascinating. And I, even though it's such a unique story, I think it, so many people will connect to pieces of it. I appreciate you. Wow. I can't thank you both enough for making the process feel so safe and welcoming. Yeah, for me to share my stories with your listeners. And thank you for sharing them there. I'm sure they're resonating. So mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Nat, we like to do a special, we call it our special collection, uh, where we invite listeners to donate if they are so moved to some organization. Mm. Do you have a place you'd like us to tell listeners about? Absolutely. I have two because I believe in agency. So the first one, Trans Lifeline. Yeah, if you want to go national, Trans Lifeline is a beautiful hotline for trans people by trans people. Wonderful. And it's been life-saving for so many of my friends and myself so many times. And if you want to go local in Chicago, Life is Work is Black-led, trans-led, and it's just a beautiful organization. Well, I will link both of those in our show notes. Yay. And come back to care, of course. Yes, and come back to care. I will also link that. Please, everyone check it out. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you both for this conversation. This has been really great. Yes, so grateful for both of you. And so we're going to end the way we always end, Nat and Steph, and also with you. (laughs) And also with you. And Nat. And also with you. Yay. Yay. (laughs) 